You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. We're going to start here in uh, Acts chapter 16. So Acts chapter 16, let me get there in my Bible. You guys probably beat me there. So we're going to actually start a Bible study here. In Sundays, we're going to talk about the book of Philippians. And certainly love the book of Philippians as we as we start. And so here in Acts chapter 16, for the moment, I'm going to pick it up in verse 16. I'm going to read one verse and pray, give you some introduction about that, and then I'm going to read the rest of the chapter. So in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl who had a spirit of divination brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. And she followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. So, Father, we come now, gathering in your name, gathering in your name to be part of your family and to be in your kingdom, to have your word impact us and to be transformed that we would be image bearers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now we proclaim the release of the Holy Spirit on us as a church. So come now, God, to be glorified. Come now with great power, present yourself to us in your presence. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. And everyone in our church will say amen. 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 Church unstoppable. That's what we're talking about as we talk about this church in Philippi. We talk about that today related to the unstoppable nature of the gospel. All right, so let me get into a few things by way of introduction. So these people known as Philippians, we have much to learn from them. Uh, and they were, they were an incredible, incredible group. And at this point, what's really fascinating, I just gave you one or two verses to read in this incredible story of the Apostle Paul being annoyed. There's this person who's, who's actually demonized and coming in and correctly saying, you're a servant of the Most High God. You're a servant of the Most High God. But I love the humanity of it. If you catch it in the text, where Paul's annoyed by this. Like, I can't go anywhere without you bothering me. This demon, this demon follows me around. Have you ever had demons follow you around? They can follow you around. And I'll get more into that later on as we talk about this. So Paul actually correctly, in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, just rids himself of that demonic presence. But this is a church plan. And we pray God will give us, by his grace, supernatural power by which the ranch church would participate in gospel ministry and be part of many works of church planning ourselves. But in this case, what the context is really fascinating is Paul has actually met with some failure. Now, a lot of people read the Bible and you read your text here, you understand that Paul was a man greatly used of God, greatly used of God. Incredible power, command presence to be able to preach the gospel and see people healed, see people delivered. But he was not perfect. Everybody say the word perfect. perfect. Yeah, he was not perfect. He was not perfect at all. And so we, people get confused. Jesus Christ was God. Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. Jesus Christ is perfect. The apostle Paul, as we're seeing in our text, he was a man. He was not perfect. And so in the context here, he's been met with moral, not moral failures. He's been met with failure because he got into a church fight. 
Now, I know it's hard to understand, and we don't want this. We don't want this ever. But he actually got into a church fight, and he got into a church fight with his big bro in the faith, a guy who's so positive and so encouraging, we don't go by his real name. His name is Barnabas. And Barnabas, if you know the Bible, if you know much about him, that name means son of encouragement. But Barnabas' real name is Joseph. He's a Levitical priest. In terms of the Apostle Paul, he was a religious terrorist which meant he killed people while he was in his religious terrorism mode of Judaism, and he actually took Christians down. And so now Christ comes into his life. Jesus Christ saves him, transforms his life out of this religious terrorism, makes him a lover of people, a lover of God in whole new ways. And so now you've got to think about this. This is a man who killed Christians, killed Christians and harmed the church. So now he's saved. And so now he wants to go to church amongst possibly people that he has killed. You can't understand how difficult that is. And it's not just that. God has actually anointed him to be their apostle and pastor. How's that going to go over? Not well. And so Barnabas comes and he grabs Paul. This is after more than a decade. And he mentors Paul. He disciples Paul. And he continues to mentor the church, reminding the church of its mission of forgiveness, its mission of love. You too were once like that in some way. And so the churches come together and reconcile and embrace Paul and that apostolic mission. They embrace this man who once as a religious terrorist harmed them. They actually embrace him in love and it breaks this man and it breaks him down in incredible ways. So that mentor Barnabas, years later on a mission trip, Paul will get in a fight with. The Bible describes that in only a couple verses and says that it was a real fight. And so they would break fellowship. They would actually break company and go and part in two different ways. And so from there, I don't know if you've ever, have ever done something you wish you had not done. Are you with me, church? Okay. So that's the Apostle Paul. He's not proud about this. Later on, he'll actually, he'll actually be very humble about it. And so now, now, now he's got to pick his life up before God. And as he begins to get in the ministry again, it does not go well. Remember, this is a man who would just speak and, and have artifacts and God would do great things. None of that's going on. And now it's hard. And now he's trying to figure out what to do. He puts together a new team, a guy named Silas. I'll introduce you in a moment. And Dr. Luke is there. I personally think that God raised up Dr. Luke as a bit of an intellectual peer for Paul in order to check him. You know, he was probably one of those guys that could stand up to Paul intellectually and, 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 and with a force of character and say, Paul, you got to be anchored, brother. And, and so he seemed to have received that kind of ministry. And then there's a young man by the name of Timothy, and, and this is the new team. But every step they go, it's not successful. And they're trying, and so they go, and they pray, and they pray. They try and do ministry, and the Holy Spirit says, no, not in this direction. And then they pray, and they pray, and they try, and they probably spend money and effort, and there's not much fruit, and it doesn't work out. And the Holy Spirit says, no. You ever been there? 
You've been there thinking that you're actually pursuing God with everything in you. you. You're sorrowful for your sins. You're repentant. You're remorseful. You're asking the Holy Spirit to fill you. And every single one of your efforts seems to be God saying no. 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 And so for Paul, this would be so new and so different. But then God would be faithful and give him a dream and a vision to go to Greece. It's called the Macedonian call. He has a dream. There's a man in Macedon. This is part of Greece, ancient Greece. And he's waving and he's saying, hey, come over here and tell us about Jesus. Hey, come over here and tell us about Jesus. Now, if you get a dream where some crazy person's waving at you to go tell them about Jesus, that's a good time to say, maybe God has spoken to me. And so he does. They, they change what they do and now they're coming. That's how we get here. That's all the introduction. That's all the chapter before and all the things related are those teachings that I just gave you. And that's how we get to Philippi. In verse 11, you're going to see some detail of the same chapter. So setting sail from Troas, we made direct voyage to Samothrace. These are all the cities that are related to Philippi. And then in verse 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from Thyatira, a seller of purple's good who was a worshiper of God. So they come to this city named Philippi, which I'll tell you more in a moment. And in Philippi, there's this woman who's ready to receive the gospel and she is going to help. She's going to be part of what's going to set this church on fire. And a church is going to be planted. A church is going to be born there. And, uh, and, and God's going to do great things. Okay, so for context related to Philippi. So the best way I could tell you about Philippi is to, is to use solving as an illustration. That's probably the best way I could think of it. So, so you look out here, we have this beautiful view. Everything here in San Inez Valley is rustic cowboy west, right? In some way, shape, or form, we could say we are the, the far part of the western cowboy trail, you know, in some way, shape, or form. I mean, you don't go far and you hit the Pacific Ocean, you can't go anymore. All right, so, so if you, you're a cowboy and cowgirl and you're on the western train and you land here, and that's why we get the whole Alisal Road, and, and you're, you're there, you're at the Pacific Ocean, you made it. Okay, so, so somewhere about 100 years ago, some people who weren't cowboys and cowgirls, they were from Europe. They were from Denmark. And they said to themselves, I know, the San Inez Cowboys, these rustic cowboys, they need Danish food. <laughs> That's what they need. They're missing some Danish treats and they need wooden clogs on their feet. They don't need these kind of things. They need those. And so, and so they decided to make a little European city here called Solvang and, and just plop Europe right here in the middle of cowboy town. Okay, well, that's exactly what happened in Philippi. In Philippi, Philippi is part of the history of Mark, Antony, and Cleopatra and the death of Caesar. And all of that drama, which I will only do in 30 seconds, Brutus and Cassius going to try and avenge the death of Caesar, get back at Mark, Antony, and all of that power struggle, the people of Philippi choose Rome. This is in Greece. They choose Rome. And so Rome is like stoked to have friends in the middle of Greece. And they go, great, because you guys favored us, we're going to favor you. And so Caesar, the next Caesar comes up and says, no taxes for anybody's in Philippi. So you do business there, 
You buy and sell homes. It's a free trade zone. And you guys are all beautiful people. And all the architecture and everything is going to be built to look like Rome, just like we have here, the themes of Europe. And so they do that. And overnight, Philippi becomes this bustling San Francisco, Los Angeles kind of urbanized city where people are making money. And it's where all the beautiful people of the world are going. Enter the gospel of Jesus Christ. And enter the apostle Paul, who is not cool looking by testimony. And he's not He's not like them at all. This, this team that's going to get there is not like them. And so they go to preach the gospel. They go down to a riverfront, very much like we have a riverfront here. This woman named Lydia that I just read very briefly these words, and she gets saved. And now we have a church that is beginning to go. Now we're going to get into the context here of this church. And so as they were going, I'm in verse 16. I'm going to read out the chapter. You want to follow along. The slave girl had a spirit of divination, which means she's got some sort of demon in her. And it brought her owners much gain by fortune telling, underlying that, that they, they received economic gain by this girl that they're taking advantage of who's somehow demonized and they're making money from her. They're making lots of money from her. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed you the way of salvation. This she kept doing for many days, Paul being greatly annoyed, I know I'm doing this by repetition, but I want you to get it. He says to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Let me tell you what to do with the demon. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, leave. There it is. Do that when you feel oppressed. Do such a thing when demons encounter you. Just speak that name of Jesus to whatever you understand is that oppression, that guilt and that shame, that bondage, that thing which is perverting your mind, that thing which is pummeling you time after time. Speak it over your marriages, your finances, your kids. Command, and this is the will of God, speak the name of Jesus over your life. Speak the name of Jesus over your family. Speak the name of Jesus over your kids, your friendship, your business. Speak it out as a prayer. And the evil spirits or demons or whatever they can be associated in any way, shape, or form must leave. Now, people will tell me, well, pastor, that worked for like 10 minutes. Then do it again. Because you just told me the truth. It worked. Yes? Do it again. We, we fall down sometimes in the understanding that, there's, there, that, that we'll say that and that's all there is. Listen, pastor gets attacked. It's just a matter of knowing what to do. It's a matter of some poise and speaking this out. And so Paul models for us perfectly here. I love it. You know, you understand that he's just walking down the street. So we'll pray at the end of our service. We'll cast demons out if that's necessary. But you understand, he's basically just walking down the street. It says every day and mundane. It's not on YouTube. It's not on social media, right? It's not like, you got demon? Hang on a second. Uh, talking to the demon. So I'm going to cast it out now. No, it's not that. There's no, nothing sensational, nothing man-centered, nothing to make anybody famous. 
It's a matter of righteousness. It's a matter of the gospel power. It's a matter about this little girl needs to be free of this. And the ministry needs to be free of this. And so he simply, in one sentence, commands it to be gone, and it's gone. Church, unstoppable. Do the same. It's in you. Christ is in you. You've given your life to Christ. You may not understand all the deeper dives of those kind of dynamics. That's fine. Do that. Just write it down. Now get your phone out and tap it, okay? I'll do what Pastor Rick says. I'll speak the name of Jesus over my family. If you understand nothing else, do that. Okay, let's keep moving. You're going to like this. So Paul is going to get in trouble. So verse, verse 19, but when, his, when her owners saw that they hoped the hope of gain was gone, excuse me, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. So let me just stop here for a moment. There's four on the team. There's Paul, there's Dr. Luke, there's Silas, and there's Timothy. Only two are in trouble, Paul and Silas. So Silas seems to be this guy. You know, I hope you have friends like this. You know, I'm with you. Right? Where you, you know, where are you going? I don't know. I'm with you, right? You know, he's that guy. So it seems that whether whether the other two were around, we don't know. But it seems that Silas said, Paul, I'm with you. Are you going to jail? I'm going with you. No, brother, you don't need to go to jail. No, I'm with you. And Silas is that guy, very moral, very courageous. He's not going to leave Paul alone. And so these say to them, they seize Paul and Silas, drag him into the marketplace before the rulers, verse 20. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not law for us, lawful for us as Romans to accept their practice. Crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. So they attacked them, they tear their clothes off. It's very, very dehumanizing, that kind of experience. Verse 23, and when they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Okay, you get it, right? They're attacking Christians. They're attacking the gospel ministry. They're attacking Paul. There's no legal due process, none of that. And so he's simply thrown into this prison. Uh, prison, let's describe the prison. So the prison actually is like a building like that, what we call members only, like that barn. On one side of it, the prisoner, the prison guard, the prison jailer would live there. And on the other side, he'd get paid a little bit of money or a lot of bit of money for having prisoners there. <laughs> That's what that was like. We build these huge prisons in our country and our culture, and that was not historically been true. And so that's what actually that prison would be like, and you're going to see it in just a few moments in greater in greater detail. I end up in jail. Okay, so here's what, here's what you have to open it, end up in jail. So about midnight, right, verse 25, follow my Bible, your Bible, Acts 16, 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So, you preach the gospel, you cast out a demon, you get thrown in jail for it, and you get beat up. They strip your clothes off. That's 
nothing anybody wants, right? And they get beaten for it with rods, which means they have these rods and they're beating with them and beating with them. They get thrown in jail. It's midnight and that's happened to you. And what are you doing? I think our human tendency is to feel sorry for ourselves. Oh God, I was doing what you wanted and look what happened. I came on this mission trip. I even cast a demon out in your name, Jesus. I even used the correct Rick Soto Ranch Church formula. I spoke the name of Jesus, right? That's a joke, by the way. And it didn't happen. And I got persecuted and I got thrown in jail. I got beat up. That's not what they do. They're going to affirm their faith, which is the lesson I'm going to give you right now. So they pray and they thank God. I mean, it's, it's paradoxical. It's the opposite. I thank God that I got beat up for the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Really? Oh, yeah, watch the power side. Side us, watch how this is going to work. I thank God for this. I thank God for that. I worship Jesus in my pain. I give praise and glory. Oh, I got beat up. I have these wounds. I give praise and glory to the name of Jesus. You go, how is that going to work? Oh, watch. <laughs> watch. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bond were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. If you don't understand that, come around here during the week when it's really dark. You know, we don't have, we, we, have, we, have, the, we have to watch our evening lighting. And so this ranch gets really pitch black, really dark. And that's what that was like. You just couldn't see because there's no, there's no lighting like we have right now. But verse 28 But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas, and they brought him out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all who were in the house. And he took them that same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his family. This is incredible. Church unstoppable. So you have to understand. Listen, I love all of you guys. If you need me at midnight, okay. I'll get out of bed and come see you. I do it happily. I've done it before. I've done it many other times. Don't return the favor. Let me sleep. So I'm just teasing about that once again. Do you want to get woken up in the middle of the night? Most people don't want to get woken up in the middle of the night. So there's an earthquake that shakes this thing, this building. The jailer gets on his knees, says, how do I get saved? Give your life to Jesus Christ. He goes and wakes up his family. Hey, honey, how's that going to go? You know how that's going to go. Well, it's just stop it. Did the prisoners get out again? Just stop it. Stop. No, honey, you've got you to understand. I just met God. I just met Jesus. And, and I, it's more, so incredible. You got to get out of bed. Yeah, hey, kids, you guys got to get out of bed. Are the teenagers happy to get out of bed? No, they're not happy to get out of bed. But he gets them out of bed. And they all get saved. They seemingly all get baptized in the Spirit. And then, and then it's probably one, two, or three in the morning. Okay, we got to get baptized. We're going to get dunk in water. 
at one, two, or three in the morning. We're going to find the riverfront or find a pool or something like that, and we're going to get dunked. Do you understand the power of this moment? Let me tell you something that is powerful and of a true practice for Christians, and that is to declare and affirm your faith in positive times and in negative times. And I'm not, I, I, have a, I have a bunch, but I'm only going to go through a handful. And I'm going to practice this in front of you, okay? If you guys are into this, raise your hand, okay? I'm going to show you an affirmation that will change your life. I want you to pay attention because what I'm about to demonstrate for you and, and, and show you and give you biblical references for will actually change your life. So here's a declaration, affirmation of Bible doctrine. In Jesus, I'm a child of God. That's a good thing to write down. In Jesus, I'm a child of God. Galatians 3.26, John 1.12. Galatians 3.26, John 1.12. Okay, so here's what, here's what you do. You're going through a hardship, or maybe it's a good day. I did this section this morning. I was very happy. I was very blessed. I was up very early praying. And, and so, so, Lord Jesus, I so thank you. God, you have now come as my father. You are my father. I am a child of God. I'm so grateful to be a child of God. I'm so blessed to be a child of God. I have a new covenant promise of forgiveness of sin to be a promise of God. Your power is going to be eternal in my life as a child of God. I have rights and privileges of a child of God. I am so grateful to be a child of God. You see that affirmation? So you take that statement and you say that over to yourself in prayer in many different ways. I understand that some of you are going to start this. You're going to say, what did pastor say? Okay, I am a child of God. He says to say it over again, okay, I am a child of God. And you start marinating on it. Okay, I'm a child of God. And you let that be your truth. Okay, next affirmation amongst many. In Jesus, I am Christ's ambassador, 2 Corinthians 5.20. In Jesus, I'm Christ's ambassador. He has chosen every Christian to be his ambassador. This isn't a pastoral thing. I'll explain more of that in the, in the coming weeks. He's chosen you to be his ambassador. So he's chosen all of us. I'm, I'm actually an ambassador of God. I'm an ambassador of Christ. All right, next. In Jesus, I am chosen of God. Ha! Huh. I'm not an accident. He knew I'm chosen of God. I'm actually chosen of God. Let me give you the reference on that, which is Ephesians chapter one, verse four. And so you marinate on that. You say it over again. I am in Jesus chosen of God. I almost was going to ask you, how many of you guys are struggling today? How many of you guys are in a negative spot? I was going to ask you to raise your hand, but that's an affirmation. I'm chosen of God. Are you depressed? Are you sad? Say this to you, marinate it over and over again. I'm chosen of God. Are you happy? Then let your happiness and your blessings be the fact that you're actually chosen of God. Next, Jeremiah 1.5. In Jesus, I am known even before I was born. Before you were born, God knew you in mama's womb. That's incredible. I am known even before I was born, Jeremiah 1.5. In Jesus, next, I have self-control. Who needs self-control? You all need self-control, right? We all need self-control. That is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. I have self-control. 
So I go as a matter of faith and I actually affirm, Lord Jesus, I have self-control. That I affirm even when I've had a moment where I've failed to have self-control. I know you're going to tell me, well, I'll say that when I have self-control. No, you say it when you don't have self-control. That's the whole point of the power of the supernatural change. Some of you lack self-control. Yeah, I don't get a lot of yes and amen when I do that. <laughs> and so you affirm in Jesus, not of my flesh, not of my carnality, not of my own self-effort, but because God has actually saved me from a kingdom of darkness and repositioned me into a kingdom of light and sealed me with the Holy Spirit and spared no divine promise of me, I actually stand and I sit and I walk in a spirit of self-control. I affirm that. These are declarations. I'll go through two more real quick. In Jesus, I'm healed. In Jesus, I'm healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. Okay. So, some of you have stinking thinking. Some of you have lots of stinking thinking. Some of you have bad backgrounds, and you have all kinds of negativity that's happened in your background and you believe it and you've bought into it and now you're saved, you're coming to church, you're trying to let that thing be snapped off of you and so you declare, I am healed. I am not the negative things that have been told to me. I am not the failures of things that have been told to me. I'm not the, the, the bankrupt things that are in my heart and soul. I am actually healed in Jesus. I am actually healed this day. And you affirm it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Last one, okay, church, we're going to keep going. In Jesus, I am not shaken. Psalm 62, verse 6. I'm not shaken. You shaking today? Are you going to shake tomorrow? And so I declare that Psalm 62, verse 6, I am not shaken. Now listen, I just will say this with one or two sentences, and I'll keep going. And this is just by way of a testimony to God's glory. So I am living in the most difficult 12 months of my entire human life. So if you think that these are simply phrases that I made up and manufactured for you, I am telling you that with real pain and suffering, that I am actually living, living proof as a testimony that these truths will abide and they will defeat every demon. They'll destroy every single curse. They will make everything that is standing against you low. It will actually bring you up. It will bring the satisfaction that is nature to you, that is needed to you. You will see the pleasure of God, your Savior. He will answer the prayers over your family. None of that is fake enthusiasm. None of that is carnality. Some of you know that I had to put my adult son in a drug and alcohol recovery center off of the most dire circumstances that break any father's heart. I wish that pain on nobody, not for a moment. But God made a promise to me that he makes to you in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, that I will never leave you and never forsake you. And in my darkest hour, with the most dark, dark medical reports that were given, with the greatest bewilderment of whether I'd ever have my son back ever again, God was there every step of the way. These affirmations are what you see in Paul here. Do you, do you get it? Do you see the connection? 
It's his affirmation. I'm going to worship Jesus after I get beat up for doing the right things. In my pain, I'm going to sing praise and worship in hymns. And I'm going to release you that supernatural nature of that pain that is now redeemed. I am actually going to see supernatural power that's going to do something that I had no imagination over. Follow this in the text as we run for home. Verse 35, but when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, let those men go. Okay, so they realized that they did something wrong. I want you to follow Apostle Paul here in the power of the gospel, which is available to you. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. Ha ha ha. Verse 37. You got to follow. This is great. This is great. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? What's it say in your Bible? Say it out loud. No. no. Paul. Whoa. Yeah. Not going to take it going down. You did wrong to us, which means you can do wrong to somebody else. And we just planted the church of Jesus Christ here, which means you can do wrong to them. No. You will come out publicly and you will actually apologize. Verse 38, the police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. Verse 39, so they came and apologized to them. We don't know what that looked like. Uh, sorry, sorry, Paul. Um, we tore your clothes off uh, naked in the square. Sorry, sorry. And new clothes? We'll get you new clothes. And, okay, so we, we put all these body welts in you. We beat you really good. So also sorry about that. <laughs> really, really uh, just want to apologize about that. And we embarrassed you and ridiculed you and made fun of all the Christians around you and the new church that's starting. So we would like to apologize to them and say sorry about all of that. Yeah. Incredible power of God. And so they came and apologized to them, took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out to the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Paul would model as their pastor, as an apostle, the boldness of the gospel. This church would be unstoppable. So you and I are trained by our culture and many other powers uh, to, 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 to simply acquiesce way too easy. In our personal lives, related to our own spiritual freedoms and just related to every area of our life. And here, Paul, so Paul says, no, you're not getting off that easy. You will come out here, you will apologize, and you will make sure that you are repentant in front of the entire church so that you don't do something nasty again when I leave because I'm coming back. And I expect to see this ministry flourishing because it will, because God has chosen it for that. 
I don't know what you're getting out of this message by way of introduction into the church of Philippi. This is the beginning of the church plant and it's its first conflict. But if you get nothing else, type out, write down and internalize, have no fear. Some of your deepest spiritual problems are to have fear. It's real. If you think I wasn't afraid and haven't had very fearful moments this year over this the broad circumstances that I told you, no, of course, of course, it's very natural. You get bad news and certain kind of news and you have these moments or you have more than a moment of it. And yet I'm trying to train you on how to not have fear because you must declare the gospel of God as a promise in your life to release the spiritual power that's actually going to free you. I'm an absolute living and abiding proof of that. I've tried as best I can as your pastor and friend to not make every Sunday about these circumstances. And I've tried in a true grace to just smile as God would like because I don't want to put me on you, but you should know it's real. And I know what it's like to suffer some of your pain. Now understand what it's like to look at the darkest hour of a father to a son, to have to look at my wife and stare that down and say, God, I will trust you. You do a miracle now. To confess with Job, though he slay me, I will still praise him. Though he wound me, though I will still be his. And I will see the righteousness of my God and my Savior in this lifetime and in the next one. So I can say my boy's been sober for nine months. Praise the Lord for that. Huh? And I could say the medical promise is that his mind and his brain and his body stand a very good chance of coming back. And I could say that my sweet little girl, my wife and I have never been closer and tighter, even though we've never wept more. God has been there. So to you, my friends in my church, it's this. It's what I wrote about on a, something called Jesus at the center. Where is Christ in your life? Is he that center? You're standing on that? Jesus makes this very interesting teaching. He's just going to use this as way as an illustration. He's going to say, there's not really two roads. There's one roads, but there's two soils. There's two, in a sense, there's a rock you can stand on and there's sand you can stand on. You know what Jesus, when he was teaching about that said? You know this church? Storm comes to both. Stand on the rock, storm. Thunder, lightning, earthquake. But you're standing on the rock. Stand on the sand, same thing. Get washed away. Jesus says, stand on the rock, which is me, and you will not fall because I will hold you because you'll be standing on me. You can stand in two different places. There'll always be the temptation, whether you understand it or not, whether you are able to internalize it or not. There's always gonna be the temptation that the sand is somehow safer than the rock. It's not. The rock is God. The rock is Christ. The rock is Christ crucified. And he invites you to stand on that place and not the other. And that's your faith choice. That comes to you. 
And to stand on one means dancing angels and supernatural power and glory and promises all the way home. Even if it comes with whatever pain and yoke Christ has chosen to put on you. The other one is loss and loss only. So I call you, church, to place your faith in Christ where Jesus is at the center and stand on that rock. I'm going to ask my prayer friends to come up here. If you guys would dismiss yourself in church, come up here right now and stand next to me. As you're about to engage in a beautiful moment, church, you're about to engage in a transformational moment. Some of you don't even know how to pray for yourselves. And I understand that. And so you, you let someone pray for you. But you need to move from that place of that sand and that soft soil onto the rock. And that will be a faith choice for Jesus being the center of your life. If you need to do that this morning, I'm going to ask you right now to bow your head in prayer. Everybody bow your head in prayer with me. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray now that you would grant to us faith to shift from sands which sink us to that rock which holds us, Christ being the center. If you need to do that, I want you to raise your hand right now where you're at. I'm going to pray for you. Just raise your hand real tall. If that's you, if that's you, raise it up. Thank you, guys. Raise it up. Raise it up real high. There you go. Amen. Okay, put your hands down. So, Father, I proclaim for these that have risen, lifted their hands, and saying, this is me. I have to shift away from these soft soils of instability, these soft soils where the environment constantly moves me from a place I don't want to be at onto the rock, which is Christ. And they've lifted their hands saying, they choose that rock, which is Christ. And so I release unto them now a faith, Lord God, that is activated now and where they can stand on you. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.